Welcome to the Family Life Church Podcast. We hope you're blessed and encouraged to share this with someone you know. Subscribe or visit thefamilylife.org for more information. Acts chapter 26, beginning at verse 12, and I hope you'll preach with me. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared to thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things that thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people, from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee. Verse 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness, everybody say, to light. And from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. For a few moments out of the word of God, I'd like to speak to you on this subject. The undeniable power of a little bit of light. The undeniable power of a little bit of light. Now you're sitting next to your family member or somebody that you're at least close enough to that, you know, you know who they are and where they've been. Um, I want you to turn to them and say, you've got some light. And that's enough. Turn around to somebody, wave at them with your eyes or something. Amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was void and without form and darkness was upon the face of the deep. But thank God, for though the world was dark, and though there was confusion, and though there was a void, God spoke and said, let there be light. It may just be me, but this scripture parallels so directly to how it was when I found Jesus, or rather, more precisely, when Jesus found me. For when he found me, I was in darkness. When he found me, my life was more defined by the things that could not be seen, or that I could not see, and the things then that was defined by the things that I could. My life was in disarray. And perhaps you feel that way too, that when Jesus found you, you were far from the peaceful shore. That when Jesus found you, 
your life was far from what it is today. And perhaps there have been moments since then and in between where you've said and you've gone through dark valleys. Like David said, I've been through the valley where the shadow of death is. And perhaps you can testify that in the midst of all of those situations, you found that to God, no matter how dark, no matter how confusing, he always knows exactly where you are. You ever think about it when Jesus came walking on the water to his disciples? It was as much about showing his dominion over every single element on earth as it was about him showing them that even in the midst of a storm and even in the midst of a dark night, I can find you and I can walk right to where you are. And if I get inside of your boat, I can calm those rains and winds. I wish somebody would preach with me today. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter how dark the night, Jesus can see you just fine. Well, you may not be going through anything, but I sure am. And it doesn't even matter the specifics for something. Regardless, Jesus knows. Hallelujah. Now, it also parallels to the full plan of salvation, which you read about. And I'm an evangelist. I can't help myself. I'm sorry. But you see it really clearly in the beginning, God starts with him. Then there was revelation, light. Have you noticed in the scripture there's always revelation before there is creation? That's why preaching often goes before miracles. Think about that. After the revelation, the Bible says that there was water. And the earth was fully submerged in it. And then it says that the Spirit moved upon that water. Oh, now I hope you're not too professionally Pentecostal that you've forgotten how glorious it is to be saved. Is there anybody here today that's glad to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the power of the Holy Ghost? Oh, well. When I came into this, you told me that was everything, and I'm excited about it still. Amen. I said I'm glad to be born again. And if you have not been, hey, there's no day like today. Praise God. I hope it has not got so dark that you have forgotten the great light that lives inside of you. Hallelujah. Light, where did it come from when Jesus spoke it into being? Clearly, it came out of him. It came out of himself. It indeed was himself. When he said, let there be light, from a New Testament point of view, I view it as him saying, let there be Christ. He revealed himself onto that dark scene. He manifested in the midst of darkness. Glory to God. Now we cannot overlook the overwhelming power of his word. 
For when he said, let there be light, there was light. John 1 and 1 picks it up and says it this way. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now notice, uh, just for a moment here, you all know this, y'all Bible students, that says, in the beginning was the Logos, was the thought, was the Word. But John is going deeper than that. He says, in the beginning was the thinker, and the thinker had a thought. And it says that the thought was himself. And then he spoke his thought, and his thought became manifest. Scripture says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. What's the next verse say? Verse 3, it says, all things were made by him. Uh, let's stop there. You, we, sometimes we read it too fast. Everything that you see, everything that you feel, Everything that you experience, the Bible calls it temporal. And it was all made by him. And because he made it, he has ultimate control over it. Without him was not anything made that was made, verse 4. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Next verse. And the light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. See what it says there? It says that the light shined, and darkness could not understand the light. Think about it for a moment. The darkness had no dealing with the light, but yet and still, when the light shined. Darkness had to obey. You see, you cannot turn on darkness. You can only turn off light. And you can turn on light. But when you turn on light, darkness must obey. What am I saying? How many times have you heard somebody stand in this pulpit and preach, you can be healed. You can be forgiven of your sins. You can, be for, you can be transformed. You can be delivered from that addiction. And you say, how? It does not matter how dark it is, how sick you got, how bad the diagnosis is. It doesn't matter how bad the circumstance is. When light shines, Oh, that was cute. But when light shines in your life, there's nothing that darkness can do. Darkness has no power over light. Oh, I'm glad that not everybody here is an angel, huh? that some of us have been through some things and some of us need the light of God to shine in the midst of our circumstance and in the midst of our situation. And I'm here to tell you today that no matter what it is, when the light of God shines, that circumstance will light up. Oh, glory to God. 
Darkness cannot overcome light. You can go to the deepest, darkest pit on earth. Go over there to Blue Springs Caverns or whatever it's called in Bedford. Go deep down into that cave that turned down the lights. And you could bring the smallest, tiniest, most insignificant flashlight and turn that on in the deepest, darkest pit. And you'll see. No matter how small it is, there's nothing that darkness can do about it. Oh, glory to God. Oh, it all started with light. God would then go on to create, mold, and shape Adam and Eve, and then breathe into them the breath of life. Reminds me of when he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Breathes into Adam and Eve. The first thing that Adam and Eve saw was the face of God. The purpose for putting Adam and Eve where he put them. He put them in the Garden of Eden. And if you read in the scriptures, the scriptures make it clear that the Garden of Eden was a confined space on earth. It had its boundaries. It said that there was one river here and one river there where there was gold. And sort of says this is the land where Eden was. So why did God put them in that garden? The purpose of Adam and Eve in that garden, it says, was to till the ground so that they might spread Eden over the face of the earth. I say that. You can disagree. That's fine. Um, I'm right. No, I'm joking. (laughs) You can disagree. But I say that because when they left Eden, it was desolate on the other side. Purpose was that they would spread Be fruitful and multiply. But something happened. God then, because of that something that happened, sin that had entered into humanity, started to pull out people. He would choose Abraham. He would choose Noah. He would pull out Moses. He would pull out the prophets, etc., etc. He would pull out the children of Israel out of Egypt. All for the same purpose that they could manifest his light and spread that light around the entire world. Brother Pete said it like this. Ye are a chosen generation. He summarizes it. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Brother Peter said it this way. He said the whole purpose of you being called out of the world was so that you could show forth the praises of the light. The goal, the goal was that we, they would do that. Of course, 
the whole sort of summary of the Old Testament was that they tried and failed. And so he clothed himself with flesh. As he had in the beginning when he said, let there be light, the light became flesh and manifest among us. But this time he took on the seed of Abraham. Why? To show, amongst many other things, what life looks like fully submitted to God. What life looks like for you fully submitted to the Holy Ghost. Mm. And he walked around saying, I am the light of the world. I am the light, he said, but then turns to his nascent church and says, ye are the light. Pull it up for me. John chapter 12, actually go to verse 36. We said 35 before. Yes. It says, while you have the light, believe in the light, that you may be children of the light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. While you have the light, believe in the light. In Matthew chapter 5, he said this. He said, ye are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle to put it under the bushel. Speaking of his church. Question. In that parable, who did the lighting? This is not a lecture. I hope you'll speak back. Who did the lighting? He did. So notice what he said. After first saying that he was the light, he then says, you are the light. And he says that I did not light you for you to be hidden. I didn't light you for you to go sit in a corner somewhere. I didn't light you for you to then put yourself under a bushel. He said, I lit you so that you could go out and show forth my light to the world. Pause for dramatic effect. We spend so much time thinking about, studying, hearing about, talking about, and sharing the darkness. How bad the world is. How terrible everything's gotten. Oh, I'm so tired of this and so tired of that. If it's so dark, turn on the light. Okay, so that's why we had this scripture, uh, John 12, 36. It says, but if you have the light, you better believe in the light. <laughs> you know there's a difference between being filled with the Holy Ghost and following the Holy Ghost? Okay, Romans chapter 8, you know what it says? It says that there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, but after the Spirit... It says, for as many, verse 14, that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So, yeah, you got it. Now follow. Uh-huh. 
and because you must believe in the light that you have. Now, when you are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you received the light. I got three people glad to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You say it's too simplistic. It's not. The one who spoke the universe into existence said, let there be light. And light came forth, then took himself and put himself inside of you. And, and, and so you say, oh, so that we can, we, we speak in tongues and stuff. When you're praying in the Holy Ghost, the one who spoke life into existence is speaking and uttering utterances through you? What? You've got the light. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. When was the last time you really prayed through like we used to in the olden days? When was the last time, hallelujah, you built an altar in your pew and really allowed the Holy Ghost to fall in that place? Have you noticed in the scripture that every time that an altar was put in order, fire fell from heaven? When was the last time you built an altar in your home and prayed until the Holy Ghost filled that place and tears fell from your eyes and the room was shaken just like in the book of Acts? When was the last time that you prayed until you felt a knot in your belly and water was flowing like a river of living life? Hallelujah, springing up into everlasting life. I wish somebody would stop just giving me a nice hand clap and say I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and I'm glad about it. Hallelujah. Hey, glory to God. Oh, I feel it right now. Hallelujah. God wants so badly for us to be renewed in the power of the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So I got to come to the end. I'll jump forward. He said, ye are the light. Ye are the light. So he told them, preach this gospel. Here in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and in the uttermost parts of the earth, same model is in the book of Genesis with Eden. You're here now, but the goal is for you to spread what you've got. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I've got it. it. Come on, I've got it. it. Hallelujah. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, I've got it. it. I know that I've got it. it. And you say, well, I don't have it like she does or like he does or like they do. It doesn't matter, friend. There's no sort of portion of it. If you've got the light, you've got the light. And you say, well, the, lo- the world's getting so dark and the world's getting so hard and my sickness just seems to be getting worse. But wow, I've got the light. Let me tell you what, look at your neighbor, they, yeah, your family member, look at them, look at the person behind you, look at the person on the side of you, understand that there's enough power in this room right now to heal every sickness and every disease. 
Okay, I guess there's no sick people, doesn't matter. There's enough power in this room, hallelujah, for the dead to be raised. There's enough power in this room to loose miracles, signs, and wonders. There's enough power. Hallelujah. There's enough power in this place. Hallelujah. To loose every devil. Hallelujah. Off of any individual. I'm telling you, there's enough power in this place to start a revival. Somebody shout yes. Paul, his whole life was about the light. When he was found by Christ, Jesus shone with such a light that it knocked him off of his high horse. Oh, I wish that God would knock us off of our high horses. Those things that we hold so deeply onto, we firmly grasp onto the world, though it be shaking. He said that everything that can shake will shake. That only the things unshakable remain. But yet we hold on to shaking things. And when they shake, we say, hold on, Jesus. Show up here. Stop this shaking. And what we're supposed to be doing is falling onto the rock of our salvation. That unmovable, unshakable rock that Jesus is. Falling upon him in prayer. Oh, oh, glory. Hey, what we need more than anything is for the church to pray. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory. And Jesus says to him, the reason why you've been knocked off this high horse is so that you having received the light, might shine a light. Where we are in this moment of time requires more than anything that the church become the church. Hallelujah. That the church truly be the church. You say, well, I'm constrained. You know, I can't leave my house, and when I go out, i got to wear a mask. And I'm sorry, but the Word of God clearly says that it is not bound. It doesn't matter. They can lock you up. doesn't make a difference. The Word of God is not bound. It doesn't matter what we're facing. The Word of God is not bound. Brother Paul wrote every single one, almost, of his, of his epistles from a jail cell. The Word of God is not bound. They would send out because he said, well, I can't get to you. We're social distancing. So they would send out a little bit of his cloth. Send it out. Take some light. People would be healed. The first time Sister Mariah ever prayed for somebody to receive the Holy Ghost, it was on the phone. Say, well, we can't lay hands. The word of God's not bound. There's no limit here. Hallelujah. I wish I could get somebody to understand. It's not bound by geography. It's not bound by your circumstance. Hey, it's not bound by how you feel. It's not bound by what you're facing. The word of God is a light 
and the light shines and darkness can do nothing about it. Uh, but you say, but they're so far away. Well, the sun is many millions of miles away from the earth. But it is sufficiently bright that its rays still affect what's going on here. So how much more can your light go and touch some situation overseas or outside of our state? Hello, somebody. I took my glasses off. I can't see you. I need you to shout back at me. Hallelujah. I've got the light. And no matter what I'm praying about, what I pray about here in Bloomington, Indiana, can have an impact over in England or Zimbabwe or Canada. It doesn't make a difference. You stand to your feet. I'm done. When you got the Holy Ghost, you received the light. Any of you ever had to do radiation? Yeah? I don't mean to be so personal. I'm just imagining there's hands raised. I can't see them. Do you know what radiation does? It's just super focused light. Just focused light. That's what a laser is, too. Focused light. And that penetrates, and it will target the very thing that needs to get done. So if you can believe that radiation can heal you of a tumor, how much more ought you to believe that the word of God, which encapsulates life and light, could go forth and target that very thing that only you know about and Oh, that he could go in and target that circumstance, open that door. I don't know. Uh, hallelujah. Light up the darkness. Uh, he is a miracle worker, y'all. Uh, hallelujah. And if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, Ephesians 3 and 20 says that now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we might ask or think according, hallelujah, to the power that works inside of you. If you have the Holy Ghost, you have that all power working inside of you. So what happens when we gather as a living body of Christ and we touch and agree? The scripture says that wherever you are, in my name, I'm there. I'm there. He's right there. He's standing right beside you right now. It says that where any of my people touch Agree on anything. He says, I'll do it. I wonder what type of big prayers we could pray today. And isn't it glorious you're all sitting next to your family members? Maybe you don't pray enough with them at home. I'm joking. But right now, why don't you get a hold of that family member? You know what they're going through more than anybody else does. You know what your wife's facing. You know what your husband's facing. You know what your children are facing. But I right now loose the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ into that circumstance. I loose the light. Hallelujah. If you've not received the Holy Ghost, you could get the Holy Ghost now. 
If you need to be healed, we command healing right now. That's it, that's it, that's it. Come on, pray, pray. Pray, church. Hallelujah. There's nothing that he cannot do. And now you say, I'm not with my family right now. You can pray a prayer from where you're seated, from where you're standing. You could build an altar right now that would reach on to wherever. I don't care if your family lives on Mars. You could pray from here to there and God can reach them. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. Church, we need to pray. Come on, that's it. Be healed.